Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. All right, have a seat. So glad that you're here. Come on. Uh, I appreciate it so much. Listen, so excited about what God is doing. Listen, we still going to have to have a, a, a little bit of fun. You got to have a little bit of life. You got to have a little bit of life. And we believe that when you have some friends that you do life with, people who go through uh, hard times, you know, it, it's important to go through life with people. Uh, let me get this real quick. Hold on. Sorry. You know, sometimes, you know, you're supposed to be professional, but I'm going to have to do a little housekeeping real quick. Uh, all right. I'm sorry. Doesn't that kind of stuff bother you? It does me. Um, but listen, hey, real quick, uh, Monday at 11, just be keeping uh, one of our church, uh, our church, a couple of our church families in your prayers. Um, we have uh, uh, Miss Judy Doe. Um, uh, some, we have the Mendozas, the Lewises, the Coles. Um, and then, um, let's see, done. And the Doe's here. And then tomorrow they're going to be uh, doing their funeral. Uh, for their mom and so just a, a sudden thing so y'all just be keeping them in your prayers and, and come on let's just let them know that we love them and um and that we're praying for them and you know what even though we're going on and and uh going to start our day on monday around 11 o'clock just pray for their family you know what i'm saying well we are glad that you are here and we are in a um, series called Thriving in Relationships. Anybody need to get better at relationships? Yeah. All right, cool. How many of y'all were like wanted to nudge the person next to you? Come on, somebody. Like, I'm here because they need it. <laughs> you know? Um, but I do. I, I want... It's called Thriving in Relationships. And, and I'm just, I got a lot that I want to talk about. And so I want to dive right in to it. I just started and I only have 24 minutes. Oh man, God, they keep taking my time. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Um, and for all of you online, I just want to encourage you. Man, we are so glad that you are here. You are watching. I want to encourage you. Take notes. Get in because I believe that this is going to help you uh, today. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 18. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing one another, and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must, you you understand what that word must means, that's not if you want to, okay, forgiveness isn't optional if you want to thrive, okay, it says must forgive, and above all things put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. For the sake of time, we're going to go through the rest of this. So don't miss next week and the week after as we finish this up. But I I want to just talk a little bit. You know what? We read enough that it's going to be a lot of work to just do what he just said. 
Yeah, you ever read the Bible real quick and you're like, oh man, that was good, inspirational. I'm going to put that on my fridge. I'm going to tattoo that to my arm. That's, so, this, is a, this is a good phrase. I like that. But then you've never really thought about it. Like you've never really thought how hard it is to do those things. Last week we talked about that we are wanted, set apart, and dearly loved. Knowing this, we come from a position where we want to put on what God has for us because God has good things for us. Do you know anything that you're going to put on, any attribute that you're going to develop is going to take discipline? You don't just come into it. Can I tell you this? Um, you may find a friend, but you build a friendship. You may find someone to be attracted to, but you have to build a marriage. You may have a child, but you need to build a family. And there's this idea that sometimes we don't really think about all that we have to build in order to thrive. As a believer, we want to show the world that we live differently. Knowing this will help us Put on the disciplines and characteristics. The truth of the matter is, um, there's an old saying that says actions are louder than, come on, help me, words. It's true. That doesn't say that words don't matter or they're not important. It just says that actions are the separator to what we're trying to say. As believers, we've been given the Holy Spirit. Being filled with His power takes our output to the next level. Everything that God gives us, we have to learn how to manage. And here's the thing. Everything that God gives us starts in seed form. Seed. So, so, so it starts small and you've got to grow it. You start small and you've got to grow it. So everything that happens, when, when, when we are saved, when we uh, are filled with the Holy Spirit, instantly we have His Spirit, come on, working through us and in us. But there are still things that we have to, come on, develop. And for us, the idea of spiritual fruit, come on, we, we, have you, I'm sure in Galatians you've read that there are fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kind of goodness, faith, and self-control. Okay, the fact that it's a fruit indicates what? Seed. It indicates that there has to be growth. It indicates process. And so I think that sometimes you can get wrapped up in the Christian vernacular and think that you're walking in something that you haven't developed. And then a lot of people go to church and they're like, they told me I had the Holy Spirit. They told me I had this. They told me I had all these gifts. And you know what? Everybody still hates me. I still hate everybody. (laughs) So where's it at? And the truth is we got to work on it. The Apostle Paul told us that we have to put some stuff on. And my assignment today is putting on life-giving attributes. Did you ever play Tetris? Come on, where are my Tetris people at? Come on, back in the day, some of y'all are like, we don't even know what that is. Okay, if, you just, if you'd gone with Fortnite, we'd have been there. But let me tell you, way before, back in the day, okay, blocks were falling from the sky. And the cool people were organizing them, okay? Listen, Tetris was the game. I remember Katie and I would have date nights and we would play Tetris and you know who would win. Uh, stop. All right. And, and it was, come on, y'all, y'all know it. Like anxiety gets real because the blocks keep coming and if they hit the top, then it's like you lose and you're like, ah! And then, you know, people always want to talk to you. 
when you're trying to focus on something real. Here's the thing. There was a study done uh, about the game of Tetris. And it actually said that um, if you played Tetris for weeks at a time, actually there would be a change in the brain of the player. The article says that every time you reactivate a circuit, a synaptic efficiency increases and connections become more durable and easy to reactivate. Some of you are like, what does that mean? Okay, let me me tell you. Uh, Basically, it means that when you do something over and over and over again, uh, your brain gets used to it and it takes up less power. Like it, it learns how to, come on, listen, adapt. Our brains were created to learn new skills, to adapt by repetition. We can train ourselves to learn a new skill. Now, if we can do that with a skill, imagine what we can do with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's moving in us. We have the power to be life-giving. The Apostle Paul encourages us to put on. In other words, put on, walk in, live out, be intentional. Here's, I guess, what I'm trying to say as we begin. How you live is how you thrive. However you live, you will either thrive, come on, or you're going to take a dive. And and in relationships, we've seen where they're... And we've seen when they've taken off. And really, most relationships thrive because of what's happening internally with you. So let's talk about these five words. I'm sure that as we read those, come on, uh, uh, um, compassion, so easy, so easy to be compassionate in our world, kindness, I mean, like, who doesn't want to be kind, humility, (laughs) every day, every day. The model, meekness, <laughs> I mean, say my name, say my name. You know, listen, uh, patience, come on, those, we can just run by. But really, let's unpack the depth of those five words. And you tell me that if we walked in these, would you see thriving in your relationships? The first thing it says is compassionate hearts. Thriving relationships put on compassion. In other words, you gotta, you gotta put it on. Come on. Like, like it doesn't, and, and so there's this idea that compassionate is spontaneous and I don't even know when it's gonna happen. And I'm just like, bam, there's a McDonald's commercial and I'm crying. Like it's just, it just happens. It comes over me. No, that's not what it, that's not what the Bible says. It says that you have to put it on. You have to practice it. It is so easy for us to be self-focused and preoccupied that our hearts actually become unmoved by human adversity and tragedy. Like, like because of the indoctrination of 24-hour news media and the whole idea of If it bleeds, it leads. And so every night we're watching another horrible event. We can actually become calloused in our heart. And worse, if we're not calloused, then we become indifferent. Like my heart is not hard. I just don't care. I'm totally indifferent. It doesn't matter to me. 
either way. And how can the church thrive? How can the gospel thrive? How can we be a light in the world? Come on, somebody. If we are so busy that our heart is hard or we are indifferent. There's a huge difference between empathy and compassion. Come on, if you've watched the news, if you've been to college, if you've been around, people are promoting empathy. We all need to have empathy. Empathy says, in order for me to feel what you feel, I need to understand your perspective. And so how do we relate to people if we don't understand perspective? Because in this room is over a hundred people and all of you have a different story. Empathy says you fell in the mud and before I can do anything, I need to fall in the mud too. So that I understand what it felt like when you fell in the mud. The Bible doesn't teach us empathy. It teaches us compassion. Compassion is different than empathy. Compassion, listen to this, actually says, I see your pain and I'm moved by a desire to alleviate suffering. We all cannot experience what everybody has experienced. But I can want to see your pain, feel it, and I want to alleviate it. That is the body of Christ. Come on, does that make sense? And so compassion has to be flowing through the church. Compassion is more of an action component. Out of compassion flows and comes mercy. Come on. Church, thriving relationships don't censor compassion. Let's not be blind to suffering. Come on. For all of us, this is how we move the gospel. Even Jesus showed us about compassion. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. If we have that, I would love to put it up there. Here's what it says. I want you to see this. Then he saw the crowds and had what? Come on, say it. One, two, three. Compassion. For them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Can I tell you that we need you to get whole. We need you to get healthy. We need you to start thriving in your relationships. Come on. We need you to start thriving in your marriage, in your parenting, in your finances. We need you to start walking in some victory. Why? Because only then you can help the harassed and the helpless. That's the point. Come on, that was good. Y'all need to give me some love on that. Come on, put it together. Don't be talking about it's cold in here when y'all can put the heat out. Come on. Listen. The truth of the matter is, one of the reasons the house exists is so we begin to fuel purpose. There is a plan for you coming. There's a plan for you engaging. There's a plan for God moving in you. And it's so that you, because we believe that you were not just randomly conceived. We believe that you were born with a purpose. Even if the story wasn't wonderful, God has a story for you. Come on, does that make sense? And there is something that you can do. Each of us have the ability to minister to the harassed and the helpless. And people every day harassed by their past. 
harassed by the lies that are playing in them. You're not good enough. You're not like your sister. You're not like your brother. Nobody. I mean, they, they don't even listen to you when you talk. You just talk and they, they kind of... You, you See, I wish I could talk to some real people who knew what being harassed in their mind looked like. And we're actually growing up a group of people that actually feel helpless. Like, I can't win because. I can't win because of the government. I can't win because of my parents. I can't win, come on, help me, because of my family. I can't win because of my occupation. I can't win because I didn't get to go to college. I can't win because I have college debt. I have, come on, and we're under it all the time. Come on, help me. There are people suffering persecution right now in other countries. Believers who are living under, come on, a communist country where there is no freedom of religion. Like you have to hide. To go to church, you have to, you have to not tell anybody. Here's the thing. For us, that's why we care about missions. That's why we want to, we have a, we have this, a phrase that we want to live better outside the walls. That's why, go look over our Facebook and see how many things we've done in our community. Because here's the deal. We understand that the church's job is to get healed, get whole, so we can go help the harassed and the helpless. Come on, somebody. Is that good? Come on. Come on. The next time your friend goes through a hard season, is judgment going to creep up? Or is compassion. The next time you're waiting in line. Come on somebody. And you're like. Hey. We need to move this along. Could you just. Take your eyes off of your phone. And not be calloused and indifferent. Ask yourself. When's the last time I was dismissive. Of someone else's distress. Put on. Compassion. Come on. Does this make sense? The second attribute we are told to, come on, to put on kindness. Kindness. What is kindness? Kindness is the result of walking in love and truth. It's working both of these in tandem. Come on. We want to put on kindness. Kindness, the Bible tells us, is the very thing that leads us to repentance. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's the natural presence of the Holy Spirit. Come on, listen. In our life, church, we don't want to be more willing to pick a fight than make a friend. Kindness. For us, we have a culture that would rather rant than take the time to relate. Come on, help me. Come on. You know, I ain't talking about you. I'm talking about the person sitting next to you. Can I just say that when I, you hear kindness, I am not telling you to be nice. If there is one word that we need to remove from the vocabulary, it is nice. Kindness isn't niceness. All of you parents, don't train your kid to be, to be nice. Well, just be nice. Be, be nice. You just, you just, be, just be nice. Come on. When I was a kid, niceness meant Sweet, agreeable, pleasing. In other words, I'm going to lose some of my individuality so I can make everybody not rock any boats. That's not...
kindness is different. Come on. Let me just say, for us, the word nice was like, be nice, share, be nice, don't push, be nice, don't argue, be not, be, be, be nice. How do I pay for these chips? <laughs> Come on, listen. For us, we don't want to teach our kids not to have a backbone. We don't want to teach our kids to be timid or frail. We don't want them to be moved by the culture of the, the, the winds of culture that change all the time. Oh, well, culture's saying this, so I better be nice. Culture's saying this, where well, I better be nice. Culture's saying this, where well, I better be nice. And if I say anything that culture's not saying, then I'm not nice. And if I'm not nice, then I'm not a good person. Come on, help me. Kindness is, tre- listen, kindness is treating someone well where niceness many times is not treating them badly. There, 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 there is a difference between kindness. Kindness can be given even when you don't agree. A believer, as a believer, come on, what would happen if we showed kindness rather than canceling everybody in our life? Come on, put on kindness. It doesn't take a lot of extra time to say hello. It doesn't take a lot of time to smile at somebody. It doesn't take a little time to cook someone dinner when you know they're going through a hard time. It doesn't take a a, a lot of time to take out grandma's trash. Come on, somebody. It doesn't take a lot of time to listen to a friend, to deny yourself a little bit. It doesn't take a lot of time to be there for someone. Come on, does that make sense? For us, kindness. The third is humility. Humility talks about, it talks about put on humility. What, what is humility? When you are humble, you are free. When you are humble, listen, you are free. Humility is understanding that we follow and serve, come on, the Father. Here's how you can see if you are walking in humility. Imagine if you and God were standing toe to toe, eye to eye. Who's given the instructions? If you're lining out God, you ain't humble. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like humility is I decrease so that he can increase and I am now his servant and I am doing what he has told me to do. And so it doesn't mean that my opinions and thoughts and processes don't matter. It just means that me listening to him means that I am transforming and conforming to the way he wants it done. Come on, somebody. Listen. For us, when pride is removed, God's spirit can be unleashed. True humility isn't passiveness. It's not insecure. Our world applauses independence, fame, pride, success, Humility is the total opposite of what culture values. Jesus taught us, so the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Bible says that when you are humble, you are, and you are free from pride and arrogance, come on, your relationships are going to thrive. Can you imagine what would happen if you surrendered some of that pride? 
that arrogance, that argument, the, 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 the desire to always want to talk, the desire to always have to be right, the desire to win at any cost with your friends. I'm not talking about cr- producing winners. I'm not talking about producing. Does, does this make sense? Come on, help me. Come on, for us. Look at this. Today, when we humble ourselves in the sight of God, when we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to move through us, listen, listen. You, you can't be humble in and of your own self. You're going to have to have a moment when you decrease. And true humility means that you are teachable. Teachable. Meaning, listen, and I don't care how old you are. I don't care how much experience you know. And the truth of the matter is, for all of us here, listen, if you are under 30, you don't know what you think you know. Even though you have Google and Siri. Because sometimes you don't even know the questions to ask. You don't even know what you don't know. But for those of you who are 55 and over, you're going to have to keep learning. Come on. You're going to have to keep growing. And yes, you have a lot of experience. And yes, we believe that you can download. And yes, we need some saints that, that have been through something that's, that, that can say, you know what, you're going to get through this. But you're not done. When past 55, you're not waiting on the trumpet to blow. And the, Come on. Until he comes, you are still in a place of humility. Humble people ask for forgiveness. When's the last time you said, I'm sorry. Forgive me. That was my fault. Come on, help me. Humble people don't worry about facades. Humble people, come on, are aware of their gifts and they don't apologize for their spiritual gifts. Someone comes up, oh man, that was a great, you did so great singing. It wasn't me, it was him. That makes sense. Did he open your mouth and have a tone? Or did he, before the foundation of the earth, give you a gift that you begin to develop and you could have operated in fear and, 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 and insecurity, but you chose to step out and join the team and welcome people and lead a life group. And so, yes, we know God gives all of our spiritual gifts, but come on, when someone says you did a good job, you should be able to go, thank you. Thank you. Put on humility. The fourth attribute, come on, listen, is meekness. Meekness. Meekness is controlled strength. It's birthed out of trust for the Lord. Jesus said, listen to this, blessed are the meek for they will inherit, come on, the earth. When you think of that, the meek will inherit the earth? Come on, don't you mean survival of the fittest? Don't you mean the warriors will inherit? I know some people that I feel like they could really inherit the earth. And based on their biceps and their workout schedule, I don't want to fight them. I'm just going to say no. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible doesn't teach us the strong 
will win. The Bible teaches us that my strength moving through you will cause you to win. Come on, somebody. Here's what you need to know is many people interpret the story of Samson and they think Samson had an incredible workout plan. He did some cardio. He did some P90. Come on, somebody. A little bit of insanity. And then his meal prep was like off the chain. But the truth of the matter is if you go back and read the story, when they talk about Samson, they could not discover the source of his strength. So while your children books may show someone who can't clap, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? They could not discover why that strength came out of that guy. How are you doing this? Because if it was a process and a program and a diet and, and if it was a workout, they would have been doing that. They couldn't figure out. So they brought in Delilah. They tried to figure it out. Come on, does it make sense? They could not. Uh, how is that? <laughs> Killing a thousand people with a donkey jawbone. <laughs> you know. Long hair. Skinny body. You know what I'm saying? Pimples are bigger than biceps. Meekness. Meekness is not weakness. Jesus stood up to the Pharisees. He overturned the tables, the money changing tables at the temple. He didn't back, ground, back down from giving love or truth. He wasn't spineless, listen, and he was not tame. He was not tame. Jesus showed us what meekness looked like. It was controlled strength. Jesus had the power to move the earth. Jesus had the power to win every argument. Jesus had the depth. He was the word of God incarnate. He could have done anything. Yet Jesus teaches us that sometimes restraint is more valuable than winning the argument. Come on. Practicing meekness is like taming a wild horse. Man by nature is wild. Short-tempered, impatient, self-opinionated. But when we become meek, we become ready and trained for all that God has in store, come on, for us. Relationships will thrive when people understand that you're not going to win by how much power you walk in. I'm going to control the room. Everybody's going to do what I say. And we're going to hang. And I'm going to keep talking until I wear everybody down. And not because I'm going to let people know I've got the power. Come on. The secret to meekness is trusting in God. Why did God say, why did Jesus say the meek will inherit the earth? Because here's the deal. The meek, he can teach. The meek, he can guide. Come on. The meek trust that God is working even when they don't see it. The meek understand the weapons, listen to this, of silence and speaking up. This is not our culture today. 
our culture is if you're not loudest, if you're not screaming, and you're not fighting, you're not winning. Come on. The last one is this. Patience. Patience. Ben, y'all go ahead and come up. For us, patience is perseverance is part of the process. Way too many of us. Have you ever prayed for patience? (laughs) You're like, one time. (laughs) Learned real quick not to do that. Because like, Lord, I'm praying for patience and could you do it really fast? (laughs) You You know what I mean? Here's the thing. Is it's vital for us to put on patience. Our lives are so fast paced. And if we aren't careful, we're people are losing it for crazy things. Like we are losing it because our phone dies. We're losing it because we can't find our keys. Like we're lo- like people are like like huffing and puffing. It's like we're in the three little pigs. It's like this major thing is happening over what? My coffee is cold. Warm that dude up. The line is too long. And we're just like, anxiety. Can I just tell you this? Listen. Most of us are hurting relationships in our lives because you're always in a hurry. You're in a hurry. There are 24 hours in the day. If you go to sleep, six to eight of them, But you cannot cram four hours of nighttime and make it 12 hours. You're going to have to slow it. Come on, help me. Listen. It's vital for us to put on patience. Can I tell you that God is never in a hurry? He is so patient. He never thinks... Oh my God, we got to hurry up. We're going to miss this opportunity. Ah, America. <laughs> like God, that's, that's not God. God's outside of time. Come on. He never thinks, I'm going to miss it. Anxiety, listen, never floods God and he loses his stuff. Church, our faith should be in God alone and we we believe that we don't have enough we are come on when we believe we don't have enough i don't have enough time i don't have enough opportunity i don't have enough money then we get impatient and we want to do it ourselves you know what i'm saying and so all i can tell you is when you feel like you don't have enough you need to breathe you need to turn to the lord and you need to focus because that is where my health comes from come on somebody If we want our relationships to thrive, we're going to have to produce some patience in our home. Some of y'all are at home and there's nothing to do but the culture of your home. You drive at 90 miles an hour. You're wondering why your kids don't talk to you. Kids are like, I just wanted to have a mind. 
Why are we, why is my husband, and, and why does he not think that I'm like, what a, come on, what I used to be? There's no patience in the home. If we don't do it all right now, it's not going to happen. Hey, hey, come on, is this helpful? You didn't know these five words were this deep, did you? You were like, I'm never going to read it like that again. Listen, for us, God is not scared about making you wait. Here's what I need you to know. God is not scared about making you wait for us. Sometimes waiting is strategic. Come on, when you're in a busy intersection, that waiting, that red light is actually a good thing. Some of you have been waiting like way, way, way too long because of hurt and rejection but some of you you're frustrated the light is red but it's actually saving your life come on when you wait when you wait it reveals our true motives it produces anticipation it causes us to look to the Lord that's why we need patience come on listen putting patience in our lives helps relationships thrive for those of you in this place that you're younger or you're in a season where you're looking for a romantic relationship be patient for those of you who are frustrated because you want a full time career look to the Lord be patient keep moving forward be strategic the next time you're around your family and they can't make a decision on what we're going to do, instead of getting the paper bag out, just be patient. And I know there are people here who have real prayer requests. And you've been waiting for something for a long time. And I just want to speak faith into you. The Bible says in Peter, the book, that God is slow in keeping His promises. And I remember when I was younger that I had a youth pastor that would tell me that all the time. Stephen, God is not slow in keeping His promises. Okay, God is not slow. It feels slow. <laughs> I'm getting older. Uh, when I started the prayer, I didn't have facial hair. Now I do. So it does feel like time. Many people ask me, how do I make a friend? How do I save a marriage? How do I help my kids? And it's so easy to just pass by these five words. But if we really unpack them, house family, there are practices for the attributes that God has given us. Come on. And I believe that you can thrive in your home, in your workplace, in your relationship, in your life groups by just unpacking these five simple words. Come on. And I know, here's the deal. It's simple. You won't ever come here and think, wow, that was very academic. It'll be simple. But here's the deal. The older I get, the more I realize simple's hard. Simple stuff. Simple requires a lot. None of us can go back. We can only move forward. But let's change the presence of our homes. Come on. Let's change the presence of our relationships. Let's take our marriages to another level. And let's thrive by producing life-giving 
attributes. And come on, can I tell you this? Yes or no? Yes or no? We can all do this at the same time. I'm going to ask you a question. You tell me yes or no. If you walk in these five attributes, will your relationships be better? Way too many people are trying to figure out what God's already figured out. And if you will do this in six months from now, you'll be like, dang, girl can't be off me. <laughs> Man, my kids love it in my house like they're staying almost too much. Come on. Y'all stand up with me. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.